Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And welcome back to Little Cuts. Our, that doesn't sound right for some reason, but it is. Little Cuts. <laughs> <laughs> the intonation was just different. It was. Oh, Maybe that's I what it was. A, I have a little, I have a liquid death in the freezer. Wait one second. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, no. All right. Oh, God. <laughs> Run. I'm, putting, I'm keeping this in. <laughs> you better. <laughs> so what's up, listeners? <laughs> How are you guys doing today? That's great. I'm no. tired. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> and, all right, we're, we're good. So welcome back to, to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching and or playing recently. I'm Terry. And I'm your resident uh, liquid death severed lime addict Mary Beth McAndrews. I gave you the full name this time. We're on. <laughs> We're you very sure formal did. today. <laughs> um, this week, <laughs> you're gonna love what we're chatting about this week. It's I'm just incredible. Laughing and reading it. I found footage series, Monster Come, <laughs> and the most Stephen King video game. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Uh, okay, so let's. I think we should actually end with the found footage series since it's one that we both experienced. So let's let's yeah. start with. Uh, I want to hear. I want to hear about Monster Come. You want to hear about Monster Come? <laughs> do you? Do you really? I do. Give me all that. As soon as I wrote delicious. that in our notes documents, Steve, you were like, "Huh?" <laughs> yeah, and then when I found out, yeah, I, what yes. is it? <laughs> so. I I fulfilled my promise of getting really high and watching the 2005 classic horror comedy Feast. First Project Greenlight movie. I had a fucking blast with this movie. (laughs) So incredibly 2005. And that's okay. This it's it's incredibly 2005, but I, it's not as 2005 as I expected, if that makes sense. Like oh, yeah. I was no, expecting it, it to be like even more like titties and like bitches, but it's actually not that bad. I was shocked. Yeah, so so what what is feast Again, about? The bar the bar oh. was on the floor. Um <laughs> yeah. but so fe- what is feast about? It's a great question. So we are trapped in a bar, mm-hmm. and we get these incredible, like, baseball card freeze frames that give us everyone's, like, name, life expectancy, whatever. And stats, yep. And stats. It, absolutely incredible. No one has a name. Everyone has, like, a nickname or a stereotype, which, uh, honestly, 10 out of 10, because this film, I wouldn't call it a meta-horror film necessarily, but it's kind of playing with, like the tropes of horror because again everyone's a trope name and everyone has like very easily digestible stats and i, I kind of love that and 
Because I was really stoned, all I could think about was the use of tank tops in this movie. Because, hold on, let me get back <laughs> to the plot. <clears throat> Sorry. Woo! But okay, so it's this, it's a bar in the middle of nowhere full of full of du- dudes and, and chicks. Like, chicks as the servers, a lot of weird dudes. It's, it's like, basically, like, everyone and any, like, it stops there. It's not, like necessarily a, ta- a bar where everyone knows each other it's like a lot of people randomly stopping there it's another night and a man <laughs> eric dane busts in the door with a shotgun saying like we gotta go like you're about to get your shit wrecked oh my god eric dane was in this and what ensues is these like horny ass monsters are attacking this bar and every and then so eric dane uh, sorry, spoilers for 2005 movie The Feast. Eric Dane gets his head eaten immediately, which was 10 out of 10. Because, again, you ha- he's, like, hero. Like, he's going he's to hero. live forever. And then he immediately gets devoured. Like, so we're playing a lot here. Heroin shows up. It's his wife. And so it's, again, it becomes this single location horror movie where they're trying to escape these monsters that really love to fuck. And at one point, throw up and come on Judah Friedlander, and he starts decomposing. Thirty rocks, Judah Friedlander. Let's let's throw that out there. Yeah. Um. Because I got to get thirty rocky. Yeah. So there's a it, they fuck a lot, and they're again not a lot of explanation. We just see like the little baby thing humping a lot. At one point, one of them is trying to assault somebody. Um, they fuck at what they is like the monster is fuck at one point. N- who knows why? They just they gotta re- like reproduce and uh, yeah. Um... <laughs> See, I I've been wanting I've been wanting you to watch this movie because like we've been t- we've talked a lot recently. I think offline. I'm not sure if we've talked about it on the podcast about horny horror. And like sexy horror, and I don't think this is sexy, but this is definitely horny horror. This movie it's horny, just is horny, but it is not sexy. No, the fluids. So much. So fluids. does he come on Judah Friedlander? Is that come or is it vomit? I think it's come. It it's both? been it's been a very long time since I've seen this well, movie. I think it's come, and then he like is decomposing and dying because yeah. of being cummed on. Acidic cum. But like, you know. cum, when I say he's cummed on, it's like, <laughs> and, that, and I think it's the scary movie too, where Charlie Sheen like comes a bunch and he puts her on the ceiling, like that kind of cum. Not Charlie Sheen. Oh no, yeah, sorry. I got Charlie Sheen, Viagra part, and the boyfriend crossed over. But, you know what? I had a great fucking time watching it. I'm really glad to hear you say that because, again, like I said, I have not seen this in a very, very long time. But I remember watching this, sitting down and not expecting a whole lot, uh, but sitting down and going, wow, this movie is actually kind of smart for a movie about it, it is monsters. It's quite smart in terms of it's I don't think it fully knows what it's doing. No. And that's OK. It's 2005, like quasi meta commentary movie. And that's fine. It's also just, like, very boy. And that, again, fine. But I loved... I, I said I was focusing on the tank tops because this is, this is like, prime tank top horror territory. Like, the mm. what the signature, like, wrong turn. Texas Chainsaw 2003. White tank top situation is going on yep. here. But there's, like, three chicks wearing t- different colored tank tops at any given moment. And all my stoned brain could do is track 
what color tank top everyone was wearing and what that meant symbolically. And wouldn't you fucking know it, at the end of the movie, when we have the hero woman, she's wearing a goddamn white tank top. I want to write about this. Or not. Who knows? I think you should. I think you should. But it's really interesting how they use tank tops with the female characters in this and try to make something smarter while also making something very boy. You know, it's it's it's, it's trying it's trying to operate within the confines of a 2005 bro genre. And yeah. you know what? Was not expecting that. Was not expecting what it was doing and how it was going to kind of subvert expectations. So for a movie that was described to me as like monster com the movie definitely wasn't expecting this and in a good way i had a great time at one point he was like are you good i'm like i'm actually quite enjoying this i was was readying myself for a bunch of slurs because it's a 2005 horror movie right. like i was prepared you know again like i said bar on the floor but it's not that well, that's what I was worried about. Like when, when, cause this movie has come up a couple times and I've, and I wanted you to see it. I've wanted to revisit it cause I haven't in a very long time, but I was like, Ooh, am I recommending this movie that maybe hasn't aged very well because it is 2005 and it is very, I mean, this is the director that would go on to do, um, Piranha three double D like, yeah, not... I did say that to Steve while we were watching. I'm like, Oh, the guy who made this made Piranha three double D great, great sign. So, I was, so I was primed yeah. for it to be like, so I was, I was afraid that I was going to, you're going to watch this and go like, this is the most misogynistic piece of shit I've ever seen. Cause I honestly didn't remember what was in the movie. I just remember honestly? the monster come and the violence <clears throat> and the, this kind of smart. I mean, at the time, like, I think it's been done a whole lot now, but like at the time, like this, this smart kind of playing up of, of tropes and whatnot in a very over the top yeah. way. So I was like, that's what I remember from it. But I was like, Ooh, is there are things that I, that honestly, age very well? aged, aged. Okay. I was, I was, what I is. was surprised. Oh, exactly. I mean, yeah, but Hey, I had a good time. Again, so you're going to watch the sequels? Very 2005. Should I? I remember enjoying the second one. Okay. There's three, I think. Yeah, there's three. three? The second one is called okay. Sloppy Seconds. And then the happy finish. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. But yeah, I, I, it's streaming for free in a lot of places. So if y'all want to watch them, it's a good Halloween watch. Like, it, we watched it on Friday the 13th. Did we watch it on Friday the 13th? No, we watched The Meg on Friday the 13th. Um, Steve, like, didn't want to watch a Friday the 13th movie. But he's like, well, we can watch something equally as weird. And I was like, okay. And he was like, I said, how do you feel about watching Feast? He's like... I'd watch Feast. I was like, oh, really? He said, yeah, that movie's fucking weird. I was like, yes. So <laughs> we got high and watched Feast. It was great. Yeah. 10 out of 10. Honestly, the way to watch that movie, I think. It is. It's so silly. And I, I probably enjoyed it way more because I was just like stoned out of my mind. And I was like, I, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll pick up whatever this weird ass movie is putting down. That just, he just came everywhere. She just had a baby already. Great. Dope. But yeah, feast. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. It was just, <clears throat> it was a much needed, like, silly Halloween watch that wasn't for work. I needed that. So I, I was glad to do it because I'm watching so much stuff for job stuff. So it's nice to watch something just for fun. Even though I was yeah. like, ideas. Still fun. I don't think this, I don't think Stephen King has written a monster fucker book, so there isn't a connection I can quite make here. But let's hear about mm. this Stephen King game, or very Stephen King vibey game. 
I don't think yeah. someone could write a monster fucker novel if you tried. I mean, nah. correct me if I'm wrong, anybody, but I just, I don't want to read that personally. That man no. can't write sex. Anyway. <laughs> Any who's old. <laughs> well, speaking of monster sex, uh, I, no, um, I, there's a game coming out at the end of this month that I am very, very excited for. And, um, I had not, I had not played the, it's a sequel to a game from 2012. No. Rewind. It's a game, it's a sequel to a game that that came out in 2010 that I absolutely remember loving at the time uh, called Alan Wake. And Alan Wake 2 is coming out at the end of this month. And like a year or two ago, the developers, Remedy Entertainment, remastered the original game and re-released it on you know modern oh, consoles yeah and so i was like this is a perfect time for me to replay it and get re-requaint myself because i have not played it in 13 years for the game before the mm. sequel comes out so i went back and i replayed the remastered edition of alan wake which have you ever played it very briefly so it is about a writer who is basically like He's a kind of a Stephen King kind of stand-in. He writes. He mostly writes thrillers, not necessarily horror. But he's a thriller writer um, who has like made some very successful books, and he is having um, writer's block. So he and his wife go to uh, this this town of Bright Falls, Washington, uh, which is basically like a Twin Peaks type location, so that they can go to this cabin and he can refresh himself and get writing again because he is struggling and the game opens up with like this, this kind of nightmarish scenario where these, these shadowy creatures that are chasing him and he wakes up and they get, they get to bright falls and he doesn't want anyone to know that he's there because he's a very, you know, famous writer. And so he's trying to, to stay aloof. And after an argument with his wife she ends up vanishing and getting yanked into the lake that, uh, where they're staying. And he dives in after her and then all of a sudden wakes up in a car that is perched precariously on the ledge of a cliff. And he doesn't know how he got there. He's missing time and it's nighttime and there are shadowy creatures coming after him. And the gameplay mechanic is that you have it's it's basically kind of like a, a very actiony game where you have a can't you have a, a flashlight and a gun and you have to shine the flashlight on the creatures to get rid of their shadows so that you can kill them. And so it's very arcadey in that in that regard. It's not there's not a whole lot of jump scares to it. It just is kind of a run and gun. You there's a little bit of ammo conservation that you have to worry about, but it's not really survival horror. It's not like Resident Evil where you're like, oh God, mm-hmm. do I shoot or do I okay. run? You're gonna shoot these guys. And it's very much a, a game based on light and darkness where light you have to hide in light and use light to, mm-hmm. to save yourself. Okay. But what's interesting is is that as you're playing, you find um, pages of a manuscript that you have apparently written or that Alan Wake has written, but he has no recollection of reading it. And it is sort of telling the story that is playing out on screen as he is playing, as you are playing him. So it's like, is he writing this? Is this a dream? What is happening here? The town is very much indebted to Twin Peaks. There is like a lot of those weird characters. It has like a sort of Pacific Northwest vibe to it. There's a lot of forest. There's a... There's an FBI agent that's chasing after him for most of the time, and he keeps calling him various um, literary 
writers. Like he's like, get back here. At one point, calls him Stephen King, or he's he calls him like Raymond Chandler. Like he's just throwing out all of these weird writing names mm-hmm. instead of calling him Alan Wake. And there's so there's a lot of weirdness associated with that. There is a live action live action sequences that are introduced through the TV that you're watching, including a oh yeah Twilight Zone esque show that that you can like sit there and watch little two three minute clips of that are playing. It's just, it's a very weird, very Twin Peaks meets Stephen King vibe to it that I just, I find is is really fascinating and just really fun. Um, I don't think the combat holds up as well as it as I might have done at the okay. time, because it is very much a, you see his thoughts? <laughs> it's very, <laughs> it's very much a like run through creepy forest set piece, run through creepy forest set piece type of thing. Um, but I think the story is really interesting. And I am very excited for the sequel to come out at the end of this month. Hell yeah. I've heard it's in the same world as Control, right? That game? It is. Yeah. And I'm from I'm more familiar with Control. Um, I watched Steve play a ton of it. And I really liked that because that is very much like X-Files-Z vibes to it. Mm-hmm. But okay. Yeah. And that was one of the course. big surprises with Control is that you starting to play it. And then there's a little bit of little hints that it's connected to Alan Wake. And then there is a yeah. DLC content that is all about reintroducing Alan Wake to it. So I love that as well. And, and Control is a great game. I love that game. I, Alan Wake, the original one, the remaster, a lot of fun. I will probably, <laughs> when we're back from um, our short, short hiatus, I will probably have a lot to say about Alan Wake 2. And I'm I'm very excited. This is going to be like one of my biggest games of the year for me. Hell yeah. That's so exciting. All right. Swinging again. Let's talk about this found footage series. So I watched the new Hell House LLC movie. And I think Mm -hmm. you watched the first Hell House LLC movie. I watched both. (laughs) Or rewatched. Oh, you watched both. Okay. Oh, because you were you showing Cass the first one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cass okay. had never seen the first one. And I was like, I have a, I have a screener for the sequel and I really want to watch it. So let's watch the first one and then watch this this the latest one. But yeah, so I revisited the original Hell House. And I gotta say, holds up really well. I think it's still yeah, very scary. scary. Even <laughs> though like I knew when the jump scares were gonna happen, it still got me. The clown. I think I think I think Stephen Cognetti gets a lot of mileage out of this clown, but very successful. I mean, he does though, and but he, I, he, okay, I do, I do know what you mean, but boy, oh boy, does he use them well. At least he doesn't, yeah, like, like he knows how to use them effectively, and it's not super repetitive because they come no. back in the fourth one, but they give him, they, they, not to spoil anything, we'll get into it, but like they give the clowns kind of a backstory, which I think is mm-hmm. interesting. Like they, he. He actually does try to explain it rather than just be like, I don't know, clowns. So I did appreciate that he was like, if we're going to keep having the clowns, we at least need to give like some kind of context here because it just looks kind of cheap at this point. And hey, those clowns are fucking terrifying. So They are. Jesus. But yeah, how do you want to tackle this? Do you want to just go right into the fourth one? I didn't know how much you want to yeah, I just I, I was just really happy that it it really held up and it was effective for me. It worked for Cass. Like it was her first time watching it. It's a very first movie. She did. The very first the movie is very scary. I think it is a very I think the acting is really good in it. I think it is a very effective found footage film. I'm not a fan of two and three. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I love the first one. And then I was really excited to watch the origin one. So what is what is uh 
origin the what is it called the the so Carmichael it's Hell Manor. House LLC Origins colon the Carmichael Manor, which is like the most annoying title. And I under because it's it's not a sequel and it's not a prequel. It's like it is its own story. It's connected to what's going on in, in the Hell House world, but it's in a completely different place and completely different characters. And this happens mm-hmm. after all of the events. Like the Abaddon is burned down in this one. Spoiler alert: the Abaddon burned down, and it this one. Similar to, even more similar to the first one, I think, and just as an overall thing, this is kind of a return to form. He it is, kind of absolutely. Ditch, he's ditching these, like, crazy long, like, crazy, like, lore jumps and FX and hell and is going back to, like, a good haunted house movie. So this is the Carmichael Manor, a young woman and her girlfriend, Margot and Rebecca. Queer couple, lesbian, interracial couple. Love it. Hell yeah. Love that. But... Margot runs a, is like a co-founder of a website where she looks at cold cases and wants and tries to solve them, you know, true crime shit. And she gets permission to stay in the Carmichael Manor, which was a manor where there was a murder. There was a lot of like really fucked up stuff happened to this family. One of their daughters died. It was two daughters, a son, mom and dad. One of the daughters died in an accident. And then it is supposed that the father murdered the two other women and then dragged the son into the woods. And there's never been solved. And so they are going to spend the night in this house to figure out what might have happened and see if they can find some clues. And they find some clues, but it's all fucking spooky. Um, and also Margot's brother, who has has struggled with substance abuse and kind of mental health in the past, also comes to help film. So there's three of them kind of experiencing whatever's going on in the house, and it all goes very poorly. Very poorly. And... Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, this is one of those movies where, like, as I was I was watching it, I was having two experiences. The first one is is that like I'm watching this and I'm going, "Bitch, you need to get out of this house." But then the other side of it was me going, "Oh fuck, if I were in a situation, I would totally be Margot." And that's what I think I like about this movie is like they definitely do a push and pull of like Jesus Christ. I mean, like, is what, is there a cat? Okay, there is. Jesus. Like sometimes the hesitation. <laughs> Of her not coming through the door. I'm like, is this the time it's actually a demon? Like, are we actually going to catch a demon on yeah, camera? Yeah, like, are we actually going to catch it in my, yeah, in my brand new fifth, like, high-rise apartment building? Um, Poltergeist 2, anybody? 3? Poltergeist 3, three anybody? <laughs> anyway, um, they, but they do a good job of, like, the push and pull of, like, why are you staying here? Like, what are you doing? And there's also this really interesting kind of codependency that they build between the two women. And it's like, it's not, it's like a really supportive queer relationship, but it's more complicated than just like, they love each other. Like, there is a codependency. And again, there's like that nuance there where Jessica is trying to be a really supportive partner. And like, you admire her for trying so hard to be there for her, her, her girlfriend. And then you see her, like, the strain of her being like, codependent and being like i can't keep doing this and i they tried to do that on the first one and it wasn't as effective because i didn't give a shit about them but the yeah. sorry the guy but here i think they there's more empathy towards these characters than in the first one and i think you can see where cog daddy has kind of learned like about what works in the franchise but then also like giving it a little bit more heart Um, and a little bit more empathy there's just a little there's more there's more heart to this one and you care more about the people even though you know what's going to happen like you care more 
at least I found myself caring more than I did about the guys in the original one. I cared about the girl, the woman, but I didn't really give a shit about the dudes. But this one, I actually like. They did some work to make you care. No, I think I think he has really stepped up his writing game in this one because yes, the first the first one is really really terrifying in spots, but I don't care about any of the characters to be perfectly honest. And I that like was a point that was driven home on this on this rewatch. It's like I think it's a great location, some great scares, some great use of of the clown and some great use of found footage techniques um to really pull you in and scare you, but I could care less about, I could not care less about these characters. And so this one, I think does a great job of, of mirror of um, marrying the story and grounding it in this relationship, this, this trio of which they're all kind of, as you said, they're all kind of codependent on each other. And then there's also the scares. So I, I do think you said a return to form. I do think this is a return to form, but I also think it in the narrative department steps up more than the original one. Absolutely. I think it's, a return to like the sub kind of like the simplicity of yes. the scares, but it's so much more mature in scope and in character and in refining why we want to watch movies like this. And again, I'm really happy with seeing movies like this tackle like true crime influencers, whatever, without it being over the top. I, need I to think tell you there my is idea for a found footage movie after we're done recording, by the way. <laughs> but like you know, we've talked about this a bunch because we talked about this with Chad gets the axe. Like some, so many influencer horror movies are just so over the top with like the person behind the cam, the person in front of the camera, and like the person themselves and what they're trying to accomplish. And with Margot, I they hit it enough with like her always saying film, 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 but she's not. They don't make her annoying, you know. Like they don't make her this like hey everybody and try to make her this vapid influencer but instead you kind of see they they, again it's like this maturity not just of cognetti but i think of like the genre as a whole in terms of talking about this uh, like the profession of content creating and like what that means and it's it's cool to see that evolving in the genre and having a more kind of like complex approach to it yeah and i love the way that it ties in as as a movie that says Hell House LLC Origins, it does a really good job, I think, of filling in some history without... I think you could sit down and watch this standalone, and it would be good. But what I appreciate is that unlike 2 and 3, which I, I feel kind of verge, you mentioned the hell. The, the, the special effects is what really... And some of the iffy acting of those really kind of drew me out of, of this movie, because I think the first one is so grounded. And I think that this one does a great job of being a standalone feature, but also giving people that enjoy this series enough background information and more complications to the story that I'm very excited to see where where he's going to go next with this by telling these more, maybe yeah. a little more independent stories. Because by the end of the third movie, I was like, I'm kind of done with the Abaddon. And so I'm really happy to say that this made me more excited to see where this series could go next. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's out it is out officially on October 20 no, October 30th on Shutter. Um so get ready, it's a really good Halloween watch. I watched it in the dark, head like noise canceling headphones on my laptop. 10 out of 10 experience for that. There's some incredible jump scares. I ha- I was hiding behind my hands a couple times. It's fun. 
it's one of those movies that's gonna it's gonna get under some people's skin. Not in terms of it being like disturbing, but it's just got some really effective tension building scares that aren't just jump scares, but like you want it to be over. Like you want there to be a jump scare because you want it to be over. And they do quite a bit of that. It's definitely a lot of tension building in this one. This is a particularly terrifying moment where a hand comes like goes away behind a door that I was like, fuck that shit. Absolutely not. <laughs> Um, also a fun um, homage to the changeling with the red ball that gets a lot of use. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to call it back to the clowns. Well, that's this week's Little Cuts. Um, boy, who are we chatting with Monday, Mary Beth? So we got a, an exciting exciting guest on Monday. I guess that Terry is so excited. Well, I'm also excited about, but Terry especially, because we are chatting with Abby Howard. And her partner, Tony Howard Arias. Um, They are the game developers behind Scarlet Hollow and Slay the Princess, which is out as of today, the posting of this podcast. As you all have heard, we've talked about Abby Howard multiple times. This is so cool. And we had both of them on and we actually uh, talked about Killer Clowns from Outer Space again. We talked about it a long time ago with Molly Henry. So since it was such a long time ago, we're revisiting and it is a joy to speak with them. I was really excited to chat with Abby Howard. She's a, uh, a, a comic writer, a comic artist that I've enjoyed ever since I saw her on the Penny Arcade's um, Strip Search, which is an awkwardly named reality TV show thing that they did, but was a really she was really great on that. And then she has just continued with The Last Halloween. And um, I've talked about her a number of times on the podcast with her work. I did talk about Scarlet Hollow as well on the podcast, which they're releasing, but I'm very excited to play Slay the Princess. Um, I'm going to probably be playing that this weekend. But yeah, uh, it was great to revisit Killer Clowns. It was like our, what, fifth episode, I think? with um, I think it was our fifth episode with Molly Henry, yeah. It was with uh, Cooper. Oh, it was a Cooper. I'm so sorry. I got that mixed up. My bad. I apologize. It was not Molly Henry. Episode five. Sorry, Cooper. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was kind of fun to, to revisit it. We don't we don't revisit movies a, a whole lot. We try not to, but um, it was kind of fun to revisit a movie that we talked about way back when we first started. That would yes. have been um, <clears throat> November of 2019. Yeah, it was still my old apartment. Weird. That's so weird. Huh. So, listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. Have you watched or played anything that we talked about today and have thoughts? Do you have suggestions for things we should be watching and playing or reading? Uh, Let us know by sending us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on social media. I am at mbmcandrews on Twitter and and Blue Sky, and then at mb.mcandrews on Instagram. And I'm at Gaily Dreadful everywhere. And, of course... Better be following the podcast everywhere. We are at Scarred Podcast on Twitter and Blue Sky, at Scarred for Life Podcast on Instagram. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. And I know we keep saying this, but we will be bringing back Patreon. It is still frozen. Once um, once we are both back from our respective vacations, we'll be bringing it back. Yes. Good Lord. Life be life in. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. (laughs) And until next time. (laughs)